Welcome to The Refuge, a CERC podcast to share our research with practitioners and communities. I'm your host, Israel Akanem, and my guests today are Michael Onger, the Scientific Director of CERC, Nabiha Atala, Advisor Strategic Initiatives at the Immigrant Services uh, Association of Nova Scotia, ISANS, and Simone Chia Kangata, Project Manager at CERC. Thanks for coming on the show today. Real pleasure. Thanks. So, uh, Mike, I'm going to start right with you. What is CERC and uh, how did it come about? Well, if I can take people back to the fall of 2015, you remember that Canadians as a whole were really deeply moved by what we were seeing about happening to the Syrian refugees. And at that time, the Canadian government committed to bringing in very quickly 26,000 refugees, which they actually brought in. And the thing that most people forget was that about 58% of them were under the age of 25. So they were young people. And that was really the catalyst for thinking about as a whole academic community, coast to coast to coast, we began to think about how could we basically help make sure that this this, uh, transition into Canada was successful. Now, it wasn't just about the Syrian refugees, of course, it was also about all refugees, but that was the catalyzing moment. And so in 2000, by 2017, we figured out how to bring together the money from the Social Sciences and Humanities Research Council of Canada. And basically we brought together dozens of, of service providing organizations and educational institutions, as well as literally something like 80 academics that were able to sort of all come together and say, hey, we're going to try and figure out how we can, you know, figure out how to make this 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 movement of people into Canada as smooth as possible and as successful as possible. And that meant mm-hmm. things like focusing research on employment and mental health supports and uh, uh, how, you, how people learn languages, uh, how you create welcoming environments, how you change social policies. People were just literally trying to figure out solutions that would make the path forward for all refugees as smooth as possible. Mm. Mm. And uh, Naviha, like what role would ISANS play um, when it came to bringing the refugees here, helping them settle? And how does it link to what CERC is doing? Well, ISANS has a lot of responsibility for refugees in Nova Scotia. Um, We are the organization that supports all government-assisted refugees to the province. So many Syrian families came through us. Um, we are the ones who receive them and help them settle. And we also are a private sponsorship agreement holder. So we also support groups that sponsor privately. So we do a lot of work with refugees. And we were very glad to be involved in this project right from the beginning because we need to know, be able to track what's happening. We need to understand what's happening. And to have this research partnership starting from the beginning of the arrival of the Syrian families was really helpful. Mm. And Simone, now how do you take what CERC does? Actually, let's start with what is CERC? Like <laughs> what do the acronym what does the acronym stand for? Sure. So CERC is C Y R R C, which stands for the Child and Youth Refugee Research Coalition. And the name is, I think, very descriptive in that, you know, it tells exactly what we do, which is that we do research on young refugees in Canada. 
And then, like, so as a project manager at CERC, what does your role involve? So my role is essentially a facilitative one. Um, I do what I can to um, make sure that everybody's moving in the same direction, that we mm. are continually um, working to meet the goals and the objectives that we set out in the grant application. Um, so it's, uh, you know, as Mike was saying, it was a large network to begin with, and it's even larger now. We have close to 200 members, um, and we have just uh, just about 70 projects at various stages all across Canada on all kinds of issues. So it's a pretty complex picture, um, and and my role is to, to maintain some oversight of that and, um, yeah, keep us all on the same page. Mm. Yeah, I, I can't even wrap my mind around 70 projects. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's a lot. <laughs> it, 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 it is a lot. And Simone, to be fair, you do a really wonderful job of sort of running the, I was going to call it a circus, of, of grant applications, <laughs> of tracking the money and everything else. But the, the end of the day, though, what we really wanted to get at was that, you know, we we deal with people who have different specializations, right? So, mm -hmm. you know, parents have lots of questions like, should I, what language should I talk to my child in? That, you know, the, 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 my adopted language of the community I'm in, or should I bring my host, my, her my heritage language into the home? The parents have real questions about stuff like that. People have questions about, you know, which social policy in terms of family reunification or economic development is best for a particular refugee fam uh, individuals, children. Um, mm. There's all kinds of educators have, pro have issues around bringing children into their classrooms or mental health specialists who are working with children who have come out of, you know, in some cases, very traumatizing backgrounds. All of them have questions about, you know, these same children, the same families. And what we tried to do was create a, a hub so that people's, people's projects kind of leak over to different topics. And the idea is, of course, we're not just trying to say, this is one narrow dimension of an individual. Mm. But let's face it, people's lives are complex. And that, I mean, Simone, hats off to you to, you know, we can keep 70 projects kind of thinking about and growing. But I mean, this is very much like Nabila, you're, you're you know, ISANS just doesn't deal with people in isolation. It's a, it's a very much a holistic model of thinking about people are complex, our lives are complex, and that's really maybe should how we should also do the research. Yeah, you know, speaking from my experience as an immigrant, right? I'm coming from a country that never had snow, uh, you know, and then I land right in the winter of 2015, and everyone that I met kept saying, "This is the worst winter ever." And I'm, <laughs> I'm like, "How am I?" I I, you know, just navigating that and having, you know, like a settlement provider or a place like ISANS that had already prepared my 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 partner and I for the move, you know, like, oh, you need to get like snow tires or how to prepare for that. Is it, are those some of the things that like ISANS prepare for immigrants that are coming in and refugees um, based on the research that CERC has done? has been more focused on, in this case, um, the refugee children and families after they've arrived. Mm -hmm. we, do, uh, we do a lot of preparation based on our experience. I think the real benefit of the CERC research for us has been to look at the integration process to see what's working and what's not working. 
And, you know, those 70 projects, another thing that's unique about CERC is that they're generally short-term projects, one or two years. And for service providers, that's really valuable because we want response, we want results quickly so that we can integrate them into our work. And often research is spread out over many years, and by the time we get the results, we've moved on. So the sort of quick turnaround in CERC is very useful for us because we can learn from it and implement what we learn um, about our programs, about our approaches in our work with refugee children and youth. Yeah. Um, Simone, how do you ensure that speed is maintained and then the right people get the right information based on the research, based on um, service providers and the communities too? So maintaining speed is, um, it can be a challenge in the research world, especially when you're dealing with vulnerable populations. So there are, you know, very stringent processes that are in place for good reason um, in terms of ethics approval and things like that, um, you know, to protect um, young people who are participating in the research. So we, um, we do have a fairly nimble process in terms of, um, you know, everybody's working as quickly as they can. And so we just do our best to sort of work within the constraints of that um, and keep things flowing and to make sure that we are just regularly uh, starting new research. Um, and um, I, I missed the second part of your question. <laughs> no, like how do you now get the information to the right people at the right time? Right. So I think that's actually the real beauty of uh, the way this network works. And um, in research speak, we are basically we do what's called academic community partnership and what that means is basically um, academics and service providers and other community partners like ISANS and, and many more uh, working together to really come up with the research questions together and when you use that model the research becomes so much more relevant to the immediate needs of community partners and service providers. And so in terms of sharing the knowledge, it's then that much less challenging because everybody's involved from the get-go. And so rather than, you know, at the end of a project, pushing out knowledge, which is, you know, one way that we, that we do this and that we share findings, um, really with this model, it's much more integrated. And everyone's learning together and sort of iterating together um, and redefining and tweaking as needed. So then that makes our, our um, challenge at the end of it, you know, our work at the end of it to share findings that much less mm -hmm. challenging. Mm -hmm. and, and Michael, with the funding, like, you know, so Simone has done the grant application, the funding has come in. What tools are in place, you know, in CERC to decide what researcher or what research gets what amount of the funding? Well, maybe one of the nice strengths is that right from the beginning, we formed uh, that team of bringing in people like Nabia and others from the different service providing organizations across the country, as well as government agencies as well. And the idea was that everyone was sort of at the table along with the academics so that if decisions were being made about what to fund, mm. and I would encourage people to just go to our website that, you know, that's, that's there. We have lists of those kinds of programs, what got funded. Then suddenly it's like, wait, 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 we're accountable to, you know, uh, you know, if you want to just run off with an academic question, that's one thing. But that question had to be funded in part by people who were from the community, um, many, you know, who were already part of service providing organizations or who represented the very communities that, that the research was supposed to be useful for. 
there they were helping to make the decisions and select the projects so i think that's been one of the things i think simone you're doing you're making a good point that we're you know these projects are are sort of meant to be responsive and they're meant to get out quickly that was by the way i love you said that because one of the things we heard about back in like 2016 just after you know in the midst of this crisis I memorably, I, I think I can kind of tell the story, but I sat around in one room with a bunch of academics on a phone call at one point in which we were all sort of toying with how we would do this. And I remember them talking about, oh, you know, we'll, put a, we'll do a little grant and then we'll do another little grant and then we'll do a little research study. And this would be like, these kids would be in their high school years. They would be off to college. They'd be working. They'd be retiring before we got the results. And I remember there was a smaller group of us that just said, no, we're not going to do it this way. We're going to just jumpstart this really quickly. And within weeks at Dalhousie University, we were able to get, pull together this national group and everyone just came to the, came to the table willing to collaborate um, and be very nimble. And it was that kind of emphasis, I think, that allowed us that, you know, to really be, I think, somewhat useful to to the communities of refugees that are actually um you know finding their way thankfully to canada mm. integration is really important and uh nabiha do you like have any story um that you can share of you know using a research you got from Cirque uh to help an individual or a family settled in canada well i can tell you about the most unique project we were involved in which was called social justice in focus and this was a participatory photography project with lots of community partners um, and what we did in that project was we provided training for the youth in basic photography and then we asked them to think about social justice issues and express those through photographs that they took and it was a very exciting project because it was uh, very hands-on for the participants and they really enjoyed it. And we could see that they were being empowered by being asked to express their views and being given some new skills, mm -hmm. uh, both in photography and in communications too, because we wrapped it up with their presenting their photos and speaking about them. Um, in a public forum and I think that the group that was engaged in that really gained a lot of confidence mm -hmm. they gained better understanding of their community and dynamics between different groups in the community and how they could be engaged mm -hmm. that is that is a wonderful thing um, and it leads me to think though something just came to mind Simone and um, so we have like CERC, we have researchers, we have academics, we have community partners, we have government, like we have this potpourri of very different people uh, that speak in very different languages, even though they might have some similarities. How does CERC make it all work? Um, I'm not sure that at this level um, we make it work. I think the making it work really happens at the project level. And people, you know, Mike alluded to this earlier, there was just so much goodwill um, to come together around this issue and to produce mm. relevant research and timely research and research that's going to make a tangible difference, a real difference in how policies and programs are developed. And mm. with 
you know, with all that goodwill and all the expertise and experience that mm -hmm. community partners and academics bring to the table, it's just been actually, you know, wonderful to watch. And, and mm -hmm. so we're not doing a lot of that. It's, it's just happening. <laughs> Um, that that is that is great. You know, uh, you know, one thing that I think of is um, twenty fifteen happened, um, but there are ripple effects that are happening years and years after. Like, how Michael, uh, do you apply lessons you've learned to new research that's starting? You know, pr uh, in the present time. That's a great question. Um, I think what we're doing is, of course, as we go through a round, so, so people can opt to start new research projects for each of the five years of the project. And so what we see is that, you know, as projects have, have started, in some cases, we've continued the same research project for multiple years, you know, doing it in phases. And then sometimes new, new questions have simply become relevant as People have hit stress points in the community. Uh, mm -hmm. Young people have identified priorities uh, nationally. New data has come out. Um, suddenly a group comes to us and says, we know we really want to understand how people have done, say, secondary migration. You know, that, that phenomenon of people come into the country, they land somewhere, uh, they in initially, and then they make that second jump to another community. So there's been research on, you're trying to understand some of those patterns. Um, new issues around, you know, as let's face it, as different definitions of racism, as we've seen Black Lives Matter, uh, other issues appear in our society that weren't there. I mean, not that they weren't there. I don't mean that, of course, what I mean is that they didn't have as loud a name or that we weren't talking about them every, you know, in such a, a loud way. So some of those issues have then become part of the research kinds of questions that are being addressed, um, whether we're talking about, uh, you know, uh, the stereotypes of of, of immigrant and refugee youth, um, et cetera, et cetera. Each of those issues as they've arisen, I'm, I'm liking, I'm hoping that our research program has, has changed so that we're actually relevant because let's face it, what was started in 2015, those initial questions, you know, other questions have come up as we're in the next wave of people settling into Canada with different needs, both at the school level, as well as in their own individual families. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If, um, if I could but, actually if yeah. I just add to that, I think um, last year we actually uh, funded a, a, a group of projects that are specifically looking at the impacts of the COVID. And, it, you know, as Michael was speaking, it's just such a perfect example of how, you know, with this nimble sort of, you know, responsive model of research, you are constantly responding to what's happening in the world around you. And obviously COVID has had a, you know, a huge impact on all of us, but it's mm. had an impact on young refugees and their families in, in different ways and unique ways. And so we're, you know, that's sort of a great example of how we've, you know, pivoted fairly quickly to, um, to look at something that's very current. Yeah, no, it's great you mentioned that because that was going to be my next question um, uh, for Nabiha, essentially. So one of the things that last year pretty much changed the entire world, um, was anything from you've learned, uh, ISANS as a whole has learned, based on Cirque's research, that um, helped ISANS quickly adapt to what happened with COVID and evolve and change maybe how the um, provided services going online, things like this? Well, in fact, it's interesting you say that because we have a project that we are wrapping up right now, which is 
a look at how ISANS as an organization responded to COVID. And so the team that's working on that project has reviewed everything we've done as an organization to help us to assess what worked, what worked very well, what we could have done better, and to get a sense of what are the best practices for being responsive in an unexpected situation. So it's a little bit of a more indirect project that focuses on the organization's capacity to respond. But already, although it's not quite complete, we can see some findings coming out of that that will be really helpful for us going forward as an organization. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, um, I'm learning so much. and uh, But that's the thing about learning something that is interesting, something that makes you want to learn more. It's like there's never really enough time. But fortunately, we have more episodes coming up so i'm gonna ask you all this one question i'm gonna go from simone to nabi hannah and with michael um why should people listen to the refuge and and what do you hope to gain from listening to this podcast well we're just getting started so i certainly hope they will continue to listen um with 70 projects one of the you know really i think the coolest things about about all this that's starting to happen is that we've got you know a large number of projects from coast to coast to coast from all different types of uh, community partners and, and academic areas of focus. So we are looking at the big picture, you know how it all fits together: mental health, education, economic integration, um, how that all comes together. And so as we work through these um, next few episodes of our podcast, we're going to be digging deeper into each of those issues and. You know, as you said, there's so much to learn. There's so much to share. We're really excited to share it. So mm-hmm. um, hopefully people will be excited to hear it. Thanks. Nabiha? I think all through the project, Cirque has placed a lot of emphasis on sharing the information, sharing the results of the research, which is wonderful for us as service providers, where we've had the experience in the past of reports being shelved or being so long and complex that we couldn't really understand how to use them and apply them. Mm. And I think that this very practical approach of CERC, I hope can be an inspiration (laughs) to all sorts of partners to see how we can work together and communicate the findings of research in really practical ways that can be implemented so that Mm. it's not just an academic exercise, but a real collaboration that leads to change. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Michael? That's exactly how it, it's, it's a, what a great description. Uh, exactly. That's what it is about. Think of it as a big buffet dinner and hopefully people can sort of select, there's going to be some items in this really uh, big buffet of ideas and research products and stuff that maybe is going to speak to people's experiences in different places, whether it's in a school or a family or a community, that's what we're actually aiming for. Wow. Uh, Michael, Simone, Nabiha, thank you so much for giving me your time. I, I don't, it'd be nice to have you back uh, to get in, in depth on uh, some of the topics you talked about today. But uh, thanks you so much for coming and speaking on The Refuge. Thank you. All the best. Thanks. Take care.